You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the 16th of March, 2017. And, you know, there's kind of like two versions of the show. One is the live version, which gets recorded to podcast. And the other is the slightly smoothed out podcast version where, um, you know, any serious errors are, you know, kind of kind of removed from the from the stream. And, you know, we sound amazing and professional and, you know, as if we ought to be on NPR or something with without the NPR voice. Then there's the live version, which is kind of like live radio. And you know, just so you know, the listeners are aware, we're having we seem to be having bandwidth problems that are creating an echo. So Dave and Dave and Dave and Dave and Dave and Dave and Dave and, Dave and I hear each other over and over and over again as we're speaking. So it might sound weird. Just letting you know. <laughs> How you doing, Dave? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm excellent. It's been a uh, busy week. We don't have a guest this week, but we do have a whole bunch of stuff to cover. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good week in search. It's been a uh, wonderful week for brain teasers. I've had uh, serious client crises this week, uh, most of which have been solved. Um, I don't know. It's been, you know, I'm, I'm feeling great. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's always nice when you get those sorts of problems worked out, isn't it? I know it's it's funny. I was doing my uh, my daily post like an hour and a half before we were airing here, and then all of a sudden discovering that, uh, you know, a secure certificate had expired for a client. They'd updated their main site, hadn't sent me the certificate. Um, and so I'm panicking, trying to get <laughs> together. But you know what? And then they get solved, and you're like, okay. And once upon a time, I got to be an SEO, and now... <laughs> You know, I'm sure you and all of our listeners hit that. It's like, okay, and then you become sort of a jack of all trades who knows way too much about something like data layers or Ajax than really they want to, but there you are. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually, that's a, a, year, a few years ago I wrote this article called SEOs are Problem Solvers, and that's why I wrote it, because after a while, you, uh, 
you touch so many different types of websites or so many different kinds of problems come your way and you got to solve them that, yeah, like you said, you become a jack of all trades and you, you, you've seen this before so you can solve the problem. Yeah, one of the perks, now, I mean, you've been in the industry for, you've been in longer than me and I, I've been in almost, I don't know, I'm probably heading on half my life now at this point in this industry. So there we are. Uh, yeah, I know it, it is a little odd, and you've been doing it longer. Like I mean, I think one of the big perks, one of the big advantages uh, of that sort of thing is when 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 you're on on that. I don't know. I'm thinking if who wants to be a millionaire, right? Like when you're on that show and you're having a problem and you need a phone a friend, man, your pool of phone a friends to help your problem solve is is a is a is a joyous thing. Absolutely, but you know the weird one. You know, like like when you've been working on a problem and working on it, working on it, and somehow it solves itself, and you're sort of sitting there looking at the computer going, okay, it's solved, and your client thinks that you solved it. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, don't, you know, of course you don't dissuade them, right, because you want to be the hero, and everyone loves being the hero, besides which they're paying you for that. But the problem solves itself, and it seems to be working okay, so no harm, no foul, right? And you right. sit there like on, with bated breath or on pins and needles for weeks. Yep. It's happened to all of us. Don't say it hasn't. Oh, no. And then those other joyous times where you spend, I don't know, three days trying to work at a problem, and then you're like, oh. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I just, you know, if I just drop this little piece of code in there you know, that's done, or oops, you know, the developer made a typo and put the wrong character in somewhere and it blew up the entire script. <laughs> You're oh, like, okay, yeah. the solution's actually 10 seconds. It was the figuring it out that took forever, and if you just looked in the right place first. You well, know, yeah, but, searched for the missing semicolon, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You've been to the search. <laughs> yep. Okay, um, so it's been that kind of week. Um, I've solved... 80% of the problems, and I'm sitting on pins and needles of over about 20% of them, <laughs> <laughs> hoping they don't come back again. Um, interesting weekends in, uh, in, in the search world, and now Google is taking its hand at uh, probably the, 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 the biggest problem in, uh, how to say this, the biggest, if Web 2.0 was the social era where we were able to start like communicating back and forth with um, between like you know websites and 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 and, and web users branding client and stuff mm -hmm. one of the, the the biggest problem that's come out of the web 2.0 era is giving people who um, either don't know stuff or people who know way too much stuff and just take advantage of <laughs> and manipulate the people who don't know stuff, <laughs> access to the world's greatest publishing medium of all time. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of, what's the, what's the, what's the, the polite phrase for it? Um, crap. Bo crap, yeah, bogus. Um, I want to say bullshit, but I'm not allowed to say that on the air. <laughs> Thank but goodness you know you're restrained, I mean. Jim. <laughs> Vasco's like, oh, now I need to bleep something out before this goes to upload. No, that's this, my theory is that's why we have these echoes. It's the five-second rule, and nobody at the studio <laughs> wants to tell us that we're being five-seconded. <laughs> they're, they're, they're trying to be polite. That's what I think. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of bogus content, stuff that's like, just demonstrably wrong on the web, and 
it's dangerous and damaging. And, you know, sometimes it's fun because you could use it to sell affiliate stuff, but more often than not, it's dangerous <laughs> and damaging. And, um, and everyone's taken a stab in the last couple of years trying to regulate it. It's, um, I had supper the other night with somebody who worked at Facebook three or four years ago. And I asked him if there was ever any conversation about the dangers of false information being propagated through Facebook. Like back then, four or five years ago, were you guys worried about this? And naturally they were, but they didn't want to play censor, right? Mm-hmm. Google's in this Google's found itself in the same position most of the since well, twice as long as Google's existed. It knows there's a bunch of crap out there, but it doesn't want to put itself in the position of choosing like or of, of, of suppressing the crap just because it's crap. It'll suppress it for a whole bunch of other reasons, but not be, not didn't want to suppress it necessarily because of the information contained within. It didn't want to play censor. Now Google has uh, sort of stepped into the fray uh, going after um, what it what it would prefer to call inaccurate news rather than fake news. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's gonna? Do you think they have a chance of? Um, Actually, making a dent. Yeah, over time. You know what? I, I my hesitation was on short term, right? Um, but I do think, yeah, over time. I mean, I can't put anything at this point past Google's ability to, especially you know. I mean, we're seeing machine learning getting stronger and stronger. Um, to be able to actually start pulling together information, um, not just on the trustability of an individual source. Um, but, you know, flash forward a, a year or two, right? Midterm elections or something. And Google's ability to go, okay, this is being said as news. Is there, you know, reinforcing information, not just on that page, but is there reinforcing information in, in other spots on the web? And as they can start to pull that together, I think they'll be able to do it. I think it's going to be really hard right now. But I think what we're seeing is they're trying they're trying to figure it out now, just like they did with links ages ago. They got that down eventually, more or less. I mean, yeah, there's still black hat link building for sure, but they've more or less got that down. Um, and, and I think we're going to see the same thing with, uh, with this kind of inaccurate news, as you, as you put it. Well, this not as I'm putting it, as Google's putting it. Google, again, does, apparently doesn't like the term fake news, thinking it's too vague a term. And fake is something that anybody can throw around. But there's accurate and there's inaccurate. Um, for instance, uh, a post questioning the uh, roundness of the Earth <laughs> um, is probably inaccurate. The Earth is, is more or less roundish <laughs> rather than flat. So, you know, Google can discern between the flat earthers and the... Um, other 99.9% of the population who understands the world is round and thus degrade the flat earth article. But going a little bit further, Google has, um, Google has the uh, Google Quality Rater Guidelines. And um, of anybody, it's Jennifer Slag has done the, the most coverage of the Quality Rater Guidelines um, over at the SEM Post. Mm-hmm. Way worth, uh, way worth referring to, um, really, just <laughs> if you're an SEO, refer to the Google Quality Rater Guidelines. This is what Google wants its human quality raters to be looking for. We can, like, we can uh, extrapolate that this is, these are all 
parts of uh, the triggers that will reward or degrade your websites in uh, in search rankings in the long run. Mm-hmm. So Google in the editorial guidelines, uh, quality guidelines has uh, considers news sites amongst the most important websites out there. These are called the your money or your life category. You know, ones that cover websites that cover financial information or health information, um, life planning information, websites with, with with content that has serious lifetime implications for whomever reads and uses that content, right? Mm-hmm. So these sites are rated more heavily than common websites. I got uh, I got several business clients that are not considered money or your life clients. In fact, Google, my clients think they're quite important. Google, not not, not necessarily, right? They're just right. websites. Okay, so <clears throat> websites that are considered your money or your life are going to be rated more thoroughly and more strictly by Google and may, in fact, have human quality guideline raters examine the website and decide whether it should or should not be considered a high-quality or low-quality website. Here's the stuff that Google is specifically designating as low-quality. So if uh, a news source out there is doing this stuff, it will likely get burned by Google. Sites that mimic other well-known sites, including news sites, um, Sites that present themselves as new sites but contain factually inaccurate content meant to benefit a person, business, government, or other organization, politically, monetarily, or otherwise. So there's a whole bunch of those bogus investment sites that will get caught under that one. Sites that deliberately misinform or deceive users by presenting factually inaccurate content. Sites with unsustained conspiracy theories or hoaxes presented as if they were factual. Pages or websites presenting dubious scientific facts like drinking coffee will turn you bald. I mean, even if it did that to me, it doesn't mean that it does that to other people. Um, Sites that promote hate crimes or violence against a group of people. Um, Things that are going to improve your, uh, your position, stuff that Google considers high quality. News articles should contain factually accurate content presented in a way that helps the user achieve a better understanding of events, establish editorial policies and review processes, typically held by high-quality news sources. And uh, high-quality information pages on scientific topics should represent well-established scientific consensus on issues where such consensus exists. I think that's the flat earthers and uh, climate change deniers category. So, yeah, and I think one of the things worth noting just for our for our listeners here, one of the things that I really find interesting when I'm reading the quality raters guidelines, this one or, or any other one for that matter, but just to put a, a bit of context for our listeners in here, um, is that to me anyway, yes, these are a bunch of people that are going to be looking and, and you point out accurately so um, that yes, they will be used to judge individual sites, but to me this also means it sends us that signal that these are the areas of their algorithm that Google is looking to improve. And they're going to use human beings to help them better understand what's going on. So even if you aren't up for a manual sort of review under this, we're not talking penalty review here, but a manual sort of auditing um, to determine your quality or the quality of your piece or, or of your domain, 
they're going to be pulling from these other sites that they are manually looking at the signals and telltale signs. Um, and I think that's also interesting to me anyways, going, okay, when we read this thing, we need to understand that, yeah, we might be under the radar and not up for a manual review, but these are the areas people are, or that Google is looking at, and they are going to be building this into their algorithm, um, either through machine learning or, or directly programmed in. And I, I'm absolutely right. And something else that, that webmasters should keep in mind, uh, Google judges you not only by uh, what's on your pages and by what you might say, they also judge you by the company that you keep. So if you're linked to a website that might fall into the low quality uh, spectrum, uh, you might find slight degradation in your own rankings. Mm -hmm. Why would Google trust the facts you're putting out when you're linking to people who are putting out bogus facts? Or, well, I guess you can't really have bogus facts, but bogus information. Right. Oh, no, and that's, that's a really good point. And it's interesting to see how they'll be able to pull that together, right? Like if they have decided that I'm going to pick one that they never would, and I'm going to go into our sector outside of news. But if they decided that Moz, for example, did not qualify, I'm just going totally at the – I do not say this about Moz, just, for, just to be clear here. But I want to listen, obviously, wrong example here. If they decided that Moz qualified as that, then we, all of us in the listening audience here probably, who aren't sort of DIYers trying to pick information but who are running agencies, would have to look at our content and go – Okay, because if they're looking at Moz's content like that and they start to associate, okay, here's the kind of content they have, here's the data that mm -hmm. they're putting out. Okay, and then we look at Dave's site and go, well, he links to Moz a bunch. Heck, he's covering a lot of the stories that they're doing. He's saying the same kind of things in a lot of his posts. Then okay. you too, because this is, you know, uh, this is all about associations, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. So... So to sum up that last 20 minutes, read up on the Web Quality gui uh, web Raider Quality Guidelines. You can find them over the, at the SEM post. Uh, Jennifer Slag has covered them several times. She has a updated version that were that updated version that was posted uh, in the last two days. So the SEMpost.com, go over there and grab your copy, read through it. And then you know, start thinking about your own websites and websites that you might be linked to. And if you're linking to the low-quality information group of sites, um, you might want to uh, get rid of some of those links. Um, and uh, if, you know, if you're publishing low-quality information, you might want to stop doing that. Or understand this is why you're getting screwed over by Google. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about $36.7 billion, but we can't talk about that yet because we got to take a break at, uh, here on Webcology on cranberry.fm so that we can make substantially less than $36.7 billion, but, you know, money that we need to make nevertheless. We got to take a commercial break here on Webcology, so it's the 16th of March, 2017, you're listening to Webcology on cranberry.fm. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and we're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. How much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property. 
ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts. We help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash circle. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here at Cranberry.fm. It's the 16th of March, 2017. And hey Dave, guess who yeah. made $36.7 billion, or who's, who's slated to make $36.7 billion in 2017? <laughs> I know the answer to this, so I will leave it to you to tell our listening audience. All of us! <laughs> that's, that's estimated to be the yearly annual revenues of all of the search marketing industry in 2017. That was a, that was a trick question. I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, according to, according to um, Search Engine Land, uh, the estimated annual revenue in 2017 of all search activities, all search advertising activities is going to be $36.7 billion. And guess who's going to take 78% of that? Okay, now I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's going to be Google. Yep. Surprise! Google. Surprise! And you, you thought it was going to be Jim Boykin, didn't you? <laughs> no, it's going to be Google. Um. So yeah, uh, Google's going to be, be. I'm sorry, because of uh, uh, their plays in mobile. In 2018, they're expected to be taking. Oh, I don't know, 80 percent of what's going to be more closer to 40 billion. Yeah, crazy. You you will be happy to know. You know that IAC. Ask.com 
is going to be taking, I don't know, $510 million. That's, you know, that's not, that's not chump change. No, that's some walking around money. Uh, yep. So, anyway, uh, Microsoft itself is going to be grabbing, um, so Google's going to be grabbing about $28.5 billion, Microsoft 2.7, Yahoo about a billion. And, you know, just to be clear, Yahoo is going to be making a billion dollars. Um, we'll be getting to Yahoo a little bit later. we got stuff to talk about with Yahoo again. <laughs> Embarrassingly, for, uh, for I guess, Ask.com, as if it couldn't get more embarrassing for them, Yelp is ahead of them in the uh, ad revenue race, coming in at about uh, $730 million. For the for the year 2017, which is not too surprising when you think about which one do you use? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, indeed. Eh? <laughs> but, uh, well, you know what? Just for the sake of it, I'm going to ask.com now because I haven't been there in the longest time. Um, <laughs> Therein is the problem they're facing. Well, I know when Lisa Brown and I stopped using Ask, everything started falling apart. <laughs> Back in the day, her and I were like the, the the most major supporters of Ask. We just wanted them to do well. Um, so I asked for Ask search revenues and got um, search results from 2013, 20, uh, 2009, 20, uh, 2011, and 2014 to be exact. That's Ask's problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was unfortunate. I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> well, and, and here's an interesting thing I just noticed. I haven't been to ask in a while either. Um, and it tells you where, when you are a leader, you come under higher scrutiny. Because we all know the, the European Union, I mean, when Google's testing their, their little, like, ad labels, a big part of that is looking to the European Union going, which one are you going to be okay with? Because they're pretty strict on you need to be clearly labeling that. You visit ask, they have this little, like, ads related to SEO services is the query I'd put in there. And then all of a sudden it goes into things that look just like the listings. I actually had to search and it's a light gray. Oh, there's where it says web results and everything below that. That looks exactly like all those ads appears. I never hear about apps having problems in the European Union. <laughs> well, that's because um, their butler, their um, PG Roadhouse <laughs> butler took care of it for them. <laughs> Right, right. I was forgetting about that. Um, you know, where everybody else is going to fail, um, Jeeves uh, had, you know, already taken the European commissioners to tea and uh, made sure that their beds were tucked properly and, you know, made sure that each of them had a prostitute in their in their room at the manor house that night. So he smoothed it all over, as Jeeves will. <laughs> Do you remember, and, and for our listeners who, who might be newer to the industry, and by newer, I mean, I don't know, you entered in the last decade. Um, oh, yeah. They don't do prostitutes anymore. That's yeah. right. I mean, do you remember when Ask was a leader? <laughs> like we used to watch, and, and some of the techniques and, and, and technologies Ask would like bring in, all of a sudden you'd see Google following up on and stuff like that. Now they're just, they're not. Not what they were. Bit of a shame, but hey, I guess they're still making some money, so a little less than uh, Yelp, but still some money. Wait. When you want to go somewhere, like get get from A to B in your own town, what's the first thing you tend to go to? Uh, Google Maps, perhaps? Yeah, I was going to say, my Android, but it's Google Maps. 
Ask was the leader in mapping. And in fact, much of what is Google Maps today was developed by the folks over at Ask. Yeah, they were the first to enter in walking and even shortcuts um, into into their maps. So yeah, they, they really were a, were a leader, but of course that doesn't matter when you're going up against a behemoth like Google who can go, we have the money to put into this to make it better than yours, and people are already here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, moving along. We still got a whole we still got a whole bunch of uh, stuff to cover, and we're halfway through the show already. Um, your friend and mine, uh, the big shift in the uh, in the search world. Larry Kim. This was reported. Uh, by the way, this was reported in Search Engine Journal um, about an hour and a half ago. Larry Kim, uh, the, the the founder of uh, the PPC software company WordStream. Is uh, he's leaving WordStream to focus on building a new startup? He started WordStream in uh, what was it, 2007, uh, when he was working out of a uh, a cafe, a panera bread, and uh, then he built it into a multi-million-dollar company. Yep. Um, so he's left to start a, to work on a startup of indeterminate, uh, indeterminate mission. Um, I have no idea what he's doing, actually. The, uh, there's a link to a page that shows a uniform, a unicorn riding a rocket ship at the domain mobilemonkey.com. So. You gotta wonder. But maybe maybe that's Larry's domain. Maybe that's a service that allows him to capture people's e- email addresses, first and last name, company, and phone number. Nicely played, Larry. Um, <laughs> and you can sign up for Larry's next adventure. Or uh, follow him on Twitter, as I do. I'm sure he'll keep us posted. Well, you know, maybe during next break, if uh, you could jump over there and see if he's announced where he's going or what he'll be doing. Larry is, he's a beloved character in the search marketing industry, one of those guys who will bend over backwards to help, like, anybody. Um, and uh, yeah, just an inspirational and uh, all-around cool figure in the industry. So there you go. Larry Kim leaves WordStream. Yeah, I, I did not see that coming. Just yesterday, he had published a, a blog post that I, I just loved over on the WordStream blog, right? And, and let me know about it so I could, you know, because I was interested in reading it. I, I chatted with him a bit about it a few days before. Um, and yeah, now for, you know, this, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, well, there we go. Um, yeah, and I mean, there he is talking on, on Twitter about he is going into the mobile AI space. So it's, it's, going to be really really interesting to watch uh watch what he's doing absolutely and the mobile ai space um you know i don't even, I don't even want to get speculating on that because there are way too many directions one can go in there uh yeah what else we have we have another few minutes before uh we have a few minutes before we got to take our next break so did you uh hear the one about the um Yahoo Hacker? No, I didn't. You know what? You mentioned Yahoo, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be really interested to, to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. So, this is, I think this is two hacks ago. <laughs> Yahoo has been an information sieve. 
we learned that um, in, back in September, we learned that a state-sponsored actor was behind a hack in 2014 that compromised, uh, I don't know, somewhere like 500 million Yahoo user accounts, right? Yep. Um, up until today, nobody had been arrested, charged, hell, nobody had even had a finger pointed at them for it until today. A kid in Toronto was arrested and he's the only one who's been arrested and all fingers are pointing to the Russian government. A state sponsored uh, a state sponsored attack on, on Yahoo servers led by, again, a young Canadian fellow, uh, Kareem Baratov, 22 years old arrested in Ancaster, a suburb of Toronto, uh, yesterday. And all those, I mean, I think of this every time I'm, I, I hear a, a story like this. If we could just take, like, 22, right? Like, if you could just take the brains of that 22-year-old and put them into something constructive. Um, yeah, I mean, because this isn't a small thing to be able to do. Um, so yeah, to be able to pull that off at that age, if you could just, you know, funnel that into something a little more, uh, a little more productive for society, who knows what could happen. I, you know, I'm glad they're kind of figuring it out, but you know, too little, too late. And I guess that I don't know, I'm going to assume for damages. Cause yeah, who out of these things is losing like on that deal, <laughs> like so many, many millions of dollars, like into the hundreds of millions. So that was probably one of the most costly things that, uh, the Yahoo's ever had to really deal with when these were coming up right at the wrong time for them. This kid, uh, Kareem Baratov, was portrayed himself on social media as a hacker for hire, a freelancer. There are photographs of him, actually in today's Toronto Star, of him posing uh, beside a number of cars, an Aston Martin, a Porsche, an Audi, a Lamborghini, a Mercedes-Benz, and three Beamers all parked in his driveway a driveway of a $780,000 suburban house, all of which has been now seized by the, uh, by the RCMP on behalf of the U.S. Department of Justice. Oh, see, now all of a sudden, though, I'm understanding why maybe he chose the profession he did. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so... Okay, the story, actually, you know what? The story has just been updated. Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice announced that Baratov has been indicted along with two Russian intelligence officers and a Russian man once on the FBI's most wanted cyber criminal list. Uh, this is, again, in connection with uh, 500 million Yahoo accounts that got hacked. Most of these accounts were for you know, just average folks, normal people, you, me, um, anyone who had a Yahoo account. Although I'm not sure who actually had Yahoo accounts in uh, 2014, but somebody must have, um, who still had Yahoo accounts way back then. Um, the kind of information they're going to get from most of those accounts is negligible. I mean, even if they get banking information and can do and can do uh, uh, identity theft. Let's face it, most of us are five-figure targets, not huge payout targets, right? But yeah. if you put millions of us together, 
<laughs> um, a five-figure payout isn't so bad after all when you're getting millions of them. Right. I mean, yes, I, I mean, you brought up the numbers, right? When we're dealing with hundreds of millions of people, you know, you get a buck off each, right? <laughs> and and that's you did enough. okay. That's enough to afford a few Beamers, eh? Yeah, apparently so, and an Aston Martin. <laughs> but here's the deal. Um, this kid is probably going to jail. Um, and he's not going to a, to a terrible, um, horrible, get-your-teeth-kicked-in-Canadian jail. He's going to a worse one, an American jail. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's the, the, the wages of sin are getting your teeth kicked in and a whole bunch of other terrible things. Yep. Um, but the, the point being... For one of the two massive hacks that we know hit Yahoo, they've got the they believe they got the perpetrators. Yeah. I mean one thing and it's the first thing I had to think of, and I, I know we gotta go to break here in a minute, but the first thing I had to think of when you're like and he's going to one of these horrible prisons. I have a hunch though, having ties to the Russian mafia and government may offer some degree of protection <laughs> in in that environment. I'm just guessing. Maybe in the jail itself, certainly, but not at the U.S. Department of Justice. No, no. There we're going to be seeing some very, very severe, severe penalties. Yeah, um, more so given that I think that they just have it in for Russian hackers these days. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, you were right. We do got to take a break. Uh, it's 20 minutes to the hour as this show is being recorded. I'm not sure what time it is as you're listening to it on the podcast, but it's probably close to 20 minutes to the hour. You really should eat lunch. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always <laughs> Media uh, and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm, 16th of March, 2017. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E-Digital.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Money doesn't grow on trees. So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with cranberries. What? Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Well, in Whoville, they say, Peter Thiel's small testicles shrunk three sizes that day. And with the true meaning of Google's pay wallet and rival email pay system came true, the Grinch found the weakness of ten cucks plus two. Oh, I meant to say Peter Thiel, sorry. Found the, found the weakness of ten cucks plus two. That's how I read it anyway. <laughs> So PayPal's uh, stocks slid because uh, Google is coming out with a rival email payment system. Um, I just have this thing for Peter Thiel these days. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Thiel being the owner of PayPal. What do you think? I think he's a jerk. Oh, about the Google uh, Google's rival email feature? Yes. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a disclaimer at the beginning of the show that allows me to say stuff like that, eh? <laughs> um, I think that uh, PayPal is so insanely convenient and used by, like, everybody. Um, I use it for a good deal of the business that I do, and I've used it for several years. And I, I think that Google is going to have to come up with a extraordinary system to even make a dent in, uh, in PayPal. Yeah, I, I have to have to agree and, and do tend to agree. Um, but, you know, we, we see we, we were talking earlier in the show about Google seeing great things over at Ask and Google's not wanting to leave money on the table. And here's some extra money. And I think the advantage that Google would have over PayPal in, in this battle is Google can go zero sum. They can truly race to zero on on their profit. Um, for this, A, I mean, you know, destroy your enemy, right? They can come in with cheaper costs just to go, we can, we can eradicate them. Um, but I think more is if Google, and uh, you know, I'm sure you thought of this too, if Google can just gain that final toehold in understanding, not just where did you click, not just, you know, was it off Google shopping or paid ads, but actually the, the, the confirmation that money exchanged hands, um, and, and get down to that part, not just through conversion tracking, whatever, but I mean like actually how many dollars, what was taxes, right? Like that sort of thing into, into the equation. I, I think all of a sudden their power in advertising, like they need more, we were talking about their shares earlier, but their power to target advertising will go up 
dramatically and including now remarketing products back to the people that have confirmed purchases, not just because they were out of sight, but because we know they bought this and you know what, it's a year later and the battery on that thing is probably getting wonky or, Hey, maybe they need a case for that iPhone, right? Or whatever. I guess maybe they're not strong on iPhones, but you know, for that new Android phone they're buying or whatever. I think it is going to be an uphill battle, but I think if there's a battle for Google to wage, this is a big one. And I'm pretty sure that they could, if they, if they do it, um, that they could really make some, some big dents into PayPal. And I don't think it would take a lot of dents on PayPal to start to really hurt that company. Um, and, it, you know, we, we've all seen it. I mean, heck, I've been in, in paid search campaigns where the entire purpose was to earn zero dollars on a conversion just to make sure the competitor didn't. Right? Like, where well, that was the only thing. We're willing to have a zero sum, just make sure it pays for itself, just to make sure our competitors don't get it and we'll beat them in organic. Um, you know, just to, to dwindle their war chest, and, and Google can do that here. Well, yeah, that, that actually is the track that Google seems to be taking. Um, the Gmail app, which is now available on Android, is going to like allow U.S. users to receive or request money as an email attachment with no fees, and it'll work um, even if the payer or payee is not part of the Google uni- the Googleverse, doesn't have to have a, a Gmail account or, or a, you know, the, the, uh, a, a Google profile. Yeah. So it looks like they are going to try. It was, was PayPal 1.5 to 3%, depending on how much you're sending? Yeah, it's not bad. No, no, it seems perfectly reasonable to me. Shoot. <laughs> um, but zero is better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now again, PayPal is so integrated into into so many different payment systems. Um, WooCommerce, uh, as an example, has um, four or five unique PayPal-related uh, plugins. I mean, just plugins, just just so that a WooCom- uh, WooCommerce merchants can like deal with PayPal in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, Google is the massive, uh, massive company that, as you said, can pretty much outspend everybody. Yeah, and I think I mean you know, and, and you see the writing on the wall. I do. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. But worth noting anyway that my hunch is this is stage one, proof of concept. Let's make sure nothing breaks technically in a fairly easy to manage component of the system. I can't help but think there are engineers at Google going, okay, stage two is, right, okay, now how do we get this thing integrated in with lower fees than PayPal can do um, and get this thing integrated into WooCommerce, right, and and get those same sort of capabilities in there. Uh, I could totally see them testing things to make sure e-commerce doesn't break on a fairly easy level email to email, but I can't help but assume they're going to be starting to challenge some of the bigger, bigger parts of this system very, very soon. Stage two, I suppose, is having Peter Thiel uh, sneeze his nads into a silk hanky. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or we could only hope. Okay, we got we got a few minutes, uh, six minutes before uh, before shows end, unless Peter Thiel sues us out of uh, out of existence uh, before then, which might happen. Um, because everyone knows he has big nads, very big ones, bigger than Donald Trump's hands. <laughs> So you remember what was it? AOL did a data dump by mistake in two thousand and four, and one of the uh, 
one of the things about this data dump was they included enough information that people were able to take what was supposed to be just raw aggregate information and actually match up the search query with the individual who made the search. Remember when that happened? It was terribly embarrassing and AOL uh, blushed and people forgot five minutes later because nobody really cared It was because it was AOL. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, flat, take that same issue, dumping entire search histories, and flash ahead like 13 years into the social media era. Google's Allo app, this is uh, from Recode.net, uh, published March 13th, so three days, so should have warned you three days ago, but we only have a weekly show, sorry. Um, <laughs> Google's Allo app can reveal to your friends what you've been searching for. So if you and your friends are both using um, the Allo app, um, it might uh, inadvertently reveal a previous search query because this app tries to answer questions tries to answer questions on the fly for some reason it's crossing the, uh, the, 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 the communication and it might answer a question you didn't ask your, your friends you, you might have been doing a search on your own it'll answer the question in the form of another question comprising your uh, your search query. That could be embarrassing. That could be very embarrassing. And now everybody is using Allo with their friends is like, okay, I need to start asking them some really racy questions here to find out what their search history pulls out. Oh, indeed. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was noted as it's, you know, obviously a, a, a privacy breach, a glitch, um, of some kind. I mean, whether it was an intended glitch or, or not, clearly they'll be addressing it now. So, hey, good to address it now when really I don't know how many people are using it presently, but it's not a lot. <laughs> um, you know, using Allo, and it will gain traction over, over the coming months and years. So, um, in, in its conjunction with the personal assistant. So, it is going to be really, really interesting to sort of see if these sorts of things persist over time. Um, you know, inherently, and, and I'm sure you can too, I can see the value in what they might have even been thinking in doing that, but you, there's a zero error allowability in there. Yeah. <laughs> so you really have to figure out a way to make sure that never, ever are you using something that doesn't relate. Like I could see, you know, in the example, you know, want to go to an Italian restaurant? If I immediately jumped on and started looking on Google to find an Italian restaurant and then clicked on one, I could see it then maybe using that search history as something relevant. Um, you know, but yeah, to pull it out of past history that might have happened before that, that conversation even took place. That's where the danger really comes in. Absolutely. Okay, we got two minutes left, and I think we'd be remiss not to mention speculation on Fred being a uh, oh, Fred, the the new Google algorithm, being in fact a new Google algorithm. Um, last week we weren't weren't sure exactly what it was. This week, there's um, this week there's more com there's been more conversation. Um, what do you think? New quality new quality assurance algo. You know what? It would make absolutely perfect sense um, that, that that they would have to launch that in. Now, whether it's brand new or whether it's a tweak on an existing thing, it does appear, based on what it did, to be new, as I'm sure you know. 
Um, what I'm really interested in, I don't know if this is it, is is it a replacement for another piece? Right? Like I, I, I can't imagine Google's just going, okay, stack another thing on, stack another thing on, right? Like you need to pull stuff out to make the system run efficiently. So are we just seeing a complete replacement of something else um, or an addition to something else? I mean, these are these are the sorts of questions that I'm academically interested in. Although at the end of the day, here's where we're at. It definitely had some big impacts on a lot of sites. Um, and yeah, it does definitely appear to, as we all know, to be hitting, you know, quality, right. And, and it actually, from what I can see, seems to be doing it fairly well with who got hit and, and who got rewarded. And remember, as we opened the show talking about, uh, you know, high-quality sites and low-quality sites, ones that are going to be rewarded and ones that are likely to be punished. Mm-hmm. This could be the algorithmic side of, of, this, of the same equation. Indeed. Indeed. Um, okay, we have 30 seconds left. What do you got? Um, for all of this, we don't have time to cover it thoroughly. Very interesting stuff. Um, head over to the Moz blog. Um, Rand Fishkin did a post a few days ago, State of Search Behavior Revealed. Just a, really a, a list of interesting stats about searchers, not search, searchers and, and what they're doing, how often they're running queries. Um, I learned a lot of things because we're not normal. <laughs> so it is interesting to pull some, some raw data. So head over there and you'll get a, a look at what does the average person actually do um, on search. Great post, and it's just over on the Moz blog. Okay, and on that, we got to go. It's... Um been a full hour so friends you've been listening to webcology on cranberry.fm on behalf of dave davies from beanstalk internet marketing this is jim hedger from digital always media stick around cranberry.fm there's more great content coming up after the news we'll talk to you next week Opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 